to come in troubled times to uh, to renew, to nourish, to replenish the heart and the body and the mind, to um, find community, like-minded uh, folks who share our values and concerns and uh, ideals. Um, Glad you've taken the time to step out of what's probably a busy life if you live in the Bay Area. It's probably a busy, complex, overstimulated life. And we come to a place like this that's very quiet and still and beautiful and hopefully uh, nourishing. And we come to practice, we come to meditate together, we come to study the heart and the mind and our inner experience and particular qualities. Today we'll be exploring the qualities of love, compassion, and the expression of that in the world and the obstacles to that flow of love and compassion of which there are one or two or a few. So, um, happy to be here. Um, you heard a little about my background. I've been teaching here for a long time. I love it here. I'm very connected to this land and the mission and the people here. And I feel more, even more inspired given the, the political times we're living in. I feel more inspired to be here and make this a center of um, inspiration and refuge. It's from Dr. King. When I speak of love, this whole idea is misunderstood. Agape is creative, understanding, redemptive goodwill for all people. Theologians would say that this is the love of God operating in the human heart. When one rises to love on this level, then one loves every person. One rises to the point of loving the person who does the evil deed while hating the deed that the person does. I believe that this is the kind of love that can carry us through this period of transition. And I would say we are back in a period of transition. Maybe it's never gone away. So um, this, these teachings of love and compassion, to me, feel more pertinent than ever. How do we love? How do we uh, compassionately protect the vulnerable and reach out to those in need? How do we uh, not close down our heart uh, in times of uh, conflict? How do we um, stay loving to others who may seem and be and expressing very differently from us. Right? These are hard times, but I don't think they're any, necessarily any different than any other time. It's just a little more in our face. These are hard times to love. Right? Uh, maybe. And um, these teachings of love that, that are, that are you know, in, the, in this tradition, in the Buddhist tradition, the kind of love and the kind of love that Dr. King's pointing to, agape, 
you know, is a deeper kind of love than what we're used to using in terms of our romantic, familial love, or particularly romantic love, right, which has a lot of strings to it, as you may have experienced, a lot of conditions. I might cut out every now and then, so apologize for the sound system. Um, yeah, we're talking about an unconditional or more boundless love, right? a more preference, preference, preference-less love, right? which is a, a deeper capacity of the heart. Right? Metta, which means friendliness, but it may also means boundless love. It's one of the boundless dimensions of the heart. And we tend to know love as a little more limited as a little more tit-for-tat. I'll love you if you love me. I'll love you if you don't leave. I'll love you if you fill in these certain conditions. Right? And that's certainly how we've experienced a lot of love from family or otherwise. I will love you if you fit into this kind of box. Right? And what we're speaking to here is a kind of love that can, can go beyond that, beyond those limitations, beyond those conditions. Right? That's the potential and the capacity of the heart. And often we look back at these great figures in time, in history, and they're the people who've, who are able to find this capacity to love uh, boundlessly without restriction. Great work coming from that sense of uh, inspiration. Like Mother Therese was a good example. Right? Just boundless love expressed in service, expressed in care. So before I uh, go on, I just want to sense who's here. So how many of you are new to Spirit Rock? Just raise your hand if you're new to Spirit Rock. Okay, welcome. welcome. And how many of you is this your first uh, day of meditation practice, a whole day devoted to that? Okay. Right. And um, how many of you are relatively new to teachings of mindfulness and uh, that kind of thing, mindfulness practice meditation? Okay. And um, oh, how many of you are feeling troubled by the current political situation? <laughs> okay, just want to make sure I'm you know, <laughs> with my people. <laughs> Some of you might not be, and that's okay too, but most of us are. You know, I was driving over here listening to KPFA. And um, hearing about, and it's a very good interview with someone who's really understands the the implications of the the ban on citizens from seven countries. Troubled times. For people, particularly those who are marginalized and vulnerable, non-white, non-legal status. Troubling times. Troubling for the heart, troubling for our community, troubling for our country.
moved by events of the last few months. And sometimes I just well up with sadness and tears. And horror, actually, at times. Conversations with friends last night and a colleague of mine was talking about the need for two qualities, for engagement, capacity not to sink into despair. So there were two. Encouragement. So this is why we practice. We practice meditation, we practice cultivating the heart and mind to meet the conditions of life, however they are. Pleasant, unpleasant, terrifying, beautiful, joyful and sad. And life is a mix of all those things, internally, personally, politically. And... Practice asks of us, how do we meet the conditions of this moment? How do we meet listening to news that is distressing? How do we meet the sorrow in our own heart? How do we meet the joy in our child's eyes? How do we meet the beautiful spring day? How do we meet you know, just the ups and downs of life with a kind, open heart? and sometimes are easier than others to do that. Right? We all have our places where we close, where we contract, where we get withdrawn in fear or anxiety or despair or loneliness or shame or sadness or whatever. So the foundation of the practice here is mindfulness. And I want to thread of that theme into our, into our day. quality of awareness that allows us to know and be with experience. And this mindful That's partly what, what is the foundation for allowing us to meet experience. We welcome, we allow experience to be as it is because it is as it is. And that informs our responsiveness to it. So it's interesting teaching at this time and there's, there's more. I'm sorry. Mariah or Romy about the sound system? It does better if it's up there. Okay, thank you. It's just one of the idiosyncrasies of what we have to meet. (laughs) I'll try and repeat whatever I think is blanked out. Maybe it's just the sound system not liking what I have to say. I don't know. It's just doing its in and out thing. Um... So I was told of putting the trans this the box on the on the table here.
um, when I was here, when I was here on um, uh, Thursday recording, I I used two mics, two clip-on mics rather than this, and it worked fine. It's not in my pocket, yeah. Okay, I put, I put this close to my mouth. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, no. I see. I see. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. It is part of life. <laughs> so, I was saying about, um, you know, interesting for me, teaching in these times, because I'm hearing two needs from the community. And one is um, a place of refuge in troubled times, and the other is how do we respond to troubled times. And they're, slightly, they're two slightly different orientations. And I will hopefully speak to both. And we'll be experiencing both. But I think... Um, you know, important that we, that we, you know, as I said earlier, that, that we're here to also nourish our hearts, to nourish ourselves, to nourish our being. Because if you are feeling that anxiety or stress or outrage or whatever, or fear, that this is, um, you know, we're, we're, in a, we're in a marathon, not a sprint. We need to learn how to sustain and nourish ourselves long term. Always, but particularly, I'd say, in this particular time. And so it's important that we come to land like this, to community like this, to feel love like this, to feel the beauty of a wintry summer's day in California. Um, and, to, and to feel beauty and joy and love and nourishment, because that is also essential in any engaged life, right? From Henry Miller, who's talking about, and now partly what I want to talk about today is the integration of mindfulness and uh, love, because they're, they're two interwoven qualities in ourselves and in life and necessary on the path. And he writes, I remember well the transformation which took place in me when I first began to view the world with the eyes of a painter, which I think is akin to the eyes of a meditator, a mindfulness practitioner. The most familiar things and objects which I'd gazed at all my life now became an unending source of wonder, and with wonder, of course, affection. A teapot, an old hammer, a chipped cup. Whatever came to hand, I looked upon it as if I had never seen it before. To paint again is to love again, to live again, and to see again. And I would say to meditate is to love again, to live again, and to see again. See again, to live again, to love again, in that order. Favorite lines from the tradition is from the Sixth Zen Patriarch from China, way back in the, I don't know, sixth century or something who said, um, do not think that awareness and kindness are separate. One cannot arise without the other. 
Awareness is the foundation of kindness. Kindness is the expression of awareness. Awareness is the foundation of kindness. Right? Awareness, mindfulness, same. Awareness is, is the foundation of kindness. Without it, without it, awareness, we don't know ourselves, we're not present to others, we're not present to the world. Without that awareness, we're clueless. We're just checked out. We're numbed out. Kindness is the expression of awareness. As we become more aware, as we wake up to life and the joys and the sorrows and the vulnerabilities and the beauty and the losses, kindness becomes the the most appropriate response. Kindness, compassion. And in life, we need those qualities very much with ourselves. To know ourselves, we need mindfulness, we need that self-awareness. But we also need that awareness imbued with friendliness, with warmth, with a welcoming attitude, with kindness, with care. Partly because a lot of what we meet is difficult. Right? In ourselves, right? Does anybody not have difficulty in their life? Right? Physical? You know, there's probably a quarter of the room is having physical stuff, right? Some kind of physical stuff. Sickness, body pain, right? And then emotional health. How many of you are having emotional stuff? Sadness, you know, conflict. And then there's mental stuff, our crazy minds and the inner critic and all the stuff that makes our life miserable. And then there's life stuff and there's money stuff and then there's you know, living stuff, and then there's racism, and there's oppression, and then there's trauma. I mean, there's just a lot of pain out there. So it's important that we learn how to meet ourselves with kindness. Meet the same stuff in others with kindness. There's a line that I quote often. It says, be kind to every person that you meet because each has been asked to carry a great burden. Each person has been asked to carry a great burden. And you don't know that looking around the room. You look around the room, yes, people look pretty healthy, they look well-fed, you know, they look well-dressed, and you go, and they're smiling, they look like they, look like they have a good life. That's Spirit Rock, you know, not having to work on a Sunday, right? It's a good thing, you know. And that's probably true, all those things are probably true. But if you scratch beneath the surface, which I do and maybe you do in your work or in your friendships, you know that you scratch not very far down and there's loss and there's chronic injury and there's work instability and there's economic stress and there's worrying about teenage kids who are, you know, acting out or on substances. You know, it's just, there's a lot of stuff. And so it's essential that we, that we cultivate the heart so we can find more resources to be tender with ourselves, with each other, with the world. So this is a poem that I think beautifully expresses what happens when we uh, meet, when we have an openness of heart to meet the, the challenges of life. This is from Marie Howe, and it's called, a poem called What the Living Do. And it's a poem she wrote to her brother Johnny who died of AIDS when he was 28. 
Johnny, the kitchen sink has been clogged for days. Some utensil probably fell down there. And the drainer won't work, but smells dangerous. And the crusty dishes have piled up, waiting for the plumber I still haven't called. This is the everyday we spoke of. It's winter again. The sky is a deep, headstrong blue. And the sunlight pours through the open living room windows because the heat's on too high in here and I can't turn it off. For weeks now, driving or dropping a bag of groceries in the street, the bag breaking, I've been thinking, this is what the living do. And yesterday, hurrying along those wobbly bricks in the Cambridge sidewalk, spilling my coffee down my wrists and sleeve, I thought it again when buying a hairbrush, slamming the car door shut in the cold, what you called that yearning, what you finally gave up. We want the spring to come and the winter to pass. But there are moments walking when I catch a glimpse of myself in the window glass, say in the corner, in the window of the corner video store, and I'm glimpsed by it, and I'm gripped by a cherishing so deep for my own blowing hair, my chapped face, and unbuttoned coat that I'm speechless. I am living. I remember you. So here she is walking, open, meeting the you know the challenging conditions of life, and she walks past the, the, the store. I'm, and I sees a glimpse of herself in the window. I'm gripped by a cherishing so deep for my own blowing hair, chapped face, and unbuttoned coat that I'm speechless. Right? This is the heart that's open to be touched. Right? That's the awareness that's open to be connected and moved by life, whether it's you know glimpsing ourselves or you know whoever else or whatever else we touch in our life in the world. So and the one question to ask of ourselves is how do we meet life? How do we meet this moment? How do we meet our heartache or our sorrow or our joys or our challenges? How do we welcome both the beauty and also the difficult? How do we embrace the fear or anxiety that may become each time we listen to the news? Questions that we ask ourselves in our practice. How am I meeting life moment to moment? Because this is that's really what's key. Right? There's only this moment. Right? Awakening happens only in this moment. Doesn't matter if you had the most profound enlightenment experience last week, I don't particularly care. How do you meet this moment? Right? How is that awakening expressing itself in this moment? How is your 20 years of meditation practice expressing itself in this moment? I don't care how many meditations you've done. I want to know how it's showing up now. Right? And now. And now. Life, that's what practice is about. That's how awakening reveals itself in this moment. So I had a very difficult morning this morning for various reasons. I won't go into all the details. And uh, on top of that, I couldn't find my phone, and I had a, I had some very difficult crises to take care of. I couldn't have my phone. I couldn't respond. My my voicemail was full. I couldn't access my voicemail. Da, 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 da. How do I meet that moment? <laughs> 
pretty grumpily, actually, <laughs> with a lot of resistance. It's like, really? I'm supposed to be teaching a day on love, and I can't find my cell phone, I don't know how to figure out, find my phone app, or whatever it's called, and, and calling people who are in distress, and crisis, and you know, here we are. You know, it's life, right? It doesn't, doesn't never rarely coughs up what we want it to cough up. So today we'll be exploring you know, the theme of mindfulness, we'll explore the theme of love, we'll cultivate kindness through the, the loving-kindness practice, metta practice. We'll look at some of the ways the heart contracts, we'll look at uh, how our heart meets suffering in ourselves or others, how we uh, cultivate compassion towards the pain in ourselves, in the world. And we'll do some sitting meditations, some walking meditations. We'll have some dialogue and interactions. We'll have lunch. Um, so, if you've been sitting for a while, you might want to stand, just stretch a little. If you need to grab an extra cushion or a little knee pad or. Um, a little something to put behind your back in the chair. Just make sure you're comfortable. Face at the front if you want to grab a Zabaton. Mm-hmm. Um, good, thanks. Uh, where, where are those um, little cushions for people? They're in the back closet somewhere. Little ones, yeah, just there are little cushions that are good for back rest and things. And Well, there's a. <clears throat> I'm read something from uh, Jan Chosen Bays, who's a Zen teacher. 
And it's about this idea, this principle of meeting experience. She says, um, I vow to choose what is. I vow to choose what's here. If there is cost, I choose to pay. If there is need, I choose to give. If there is pain, I choose to feel. If there is sorrow, I choose to grieve. When burning, I choose heat. When calm, I choose peace. When starving, I choose hunger. When happy, I choose joy. Whom I encounter, I choose to meet. What I shoulder, I choose to bear. When it is my death, I choose to die. Where this takes me, I choose to go. Being with what is, I respond to what is. Being with what is, I respond to what is. So whatever arises as we sit together in mindful awareness, just noticing, can I choose this experience, this moment, this breath, this body, this sensation, this sound, this feeling, this joy, this sorrow? Finding a comfortable posture where you can sit upright, where you can stay relatively uh, still. Right? If you're sitting on the floor, okay. um, sitting on the floor, make sure you're feeling grounded. Ideally, your knees are supported, or your you see your back can sit upright, or kneel on the cushions can be helpful. If you're sitting on a chair, don't slouch. See if you can sit upright, both feet on the floor. Legs are in the lap. Crown of the head lifting to the sky. <clears throat> and closing, closing the eyes or lowering the gaze. First, just noticing what's here. What's present in your experience? What do you become aware of as you close your eyes and turn the gaze of attention inwards? Of sounds. Space in the room. Which you sit. Body sitting, touching the earth. what you're feeling, what's here emotionally, 
heart and your body. Mind busy, thinking, planning, restless, judging. This meet, welcome all of that. Knowing quality of awareness. It's simply present to the fullness of your Simplicity of sitting, you may notice that your attention has wandered a lot, even in just these few minutes. Thought and plans. Invite that awareness to mostly inhabit the body. So feeling your body, feeling that contact of your body with the ground. the awareness to your breath, refuge for the attention, Something to the sensations of the body as the air enters, the nose, 
expands the chest, belly, and leaves through the nostrils. Breath itself is an expression of love, keeping the body alive. Breath is the primary focus of the attention to where the attention can rest and dwell. And when things call the awareness, sounds come and go. Quality of attention. Is the or is it warm? Can you meet yourself and your experience with kindness, friendliness, rejection, or judgment, or coolness, or aversion?
under that itself is a moment of awareness. No need to judge or criticize, simply acknowledging, oh, thinking, planning, assuming present moment awareness. to the attitude in which you are present to experience. Is it coming? Is it curious? Is it warm? Or is it cool, rejecting, resistant, aversive?
moment, no matter how many times the attention wanders, takes only a moment to recognize, to reestablish mindfulness, and to begin again. This moment. as a support for last few minutes of the practice, I just invite you to weave in a little of the loving-kindness practice with this simple mindfulness sitting. So each in-breath, just offer yourself one phrase, one wish, like, may I be happy, or may I be healthy, or may I be
close with some words from Rumi. He writes, in every breath, if you're the center of your own desires, you'll lose the grace of the beloved. But if in every breath you blow away your self-claim, the ecstasy of love will soon arrive. In every breath, if you're the center of your own thought, the sadness of autumn will fall on you. But if in every breath you strip naked like a winter, the joy of spring will grow from within. All your impatience comes from your push for gain of patience. Let go of the effort and peace will arrive. All your unfulfilled desires are from your desire for gain of fulfillments. Let go of them and they will be sent to you as gifts. Fall in love with the agony of love, not the ecstasy. Then the beloved will fall in love with you. to doing some <clears throat> a little walking practice in a minute, but I'm just curious if there's any questions coming up already from your practice or observations. <clears throat> so, um, since it's such a beautiful day, sunny day, um, I'm going to suggest we do a little, what I call meandering practice, so, which can be walking, you know, how we generally do walking practice in this tradition is we walk up and down, you know, maybe 20, 30 steps, just up and down, no, we don't go for a hike, we're just present to walking, just as we are present in the sitting with our breath, body and feelings and sounds and in the walking, we're just walking up and down, present to our physical, sensory experience. And, but in the meandering, um, you can do that, just walk up and down, just walk on the patio here or outside or on the road. Um, the meandering, you can, you're also invited to just meander, so not walk so uh, in a runway, but just to let your body meander. And I partly want to have you attune just to the environment, the land, the nature, the sunlight, the beauty. Right? There's a really important that we, in, in, our, in our life and practice, we take in the goodness, we take in beauty, we take in the, uh, the love here that's in the land. And so, um, so it'll be a short practice, we'll just do it for 20 minutes. We'll just go outside, walk up and down, or meander, and really let your, really let your senses drink in the, the surroundings, the nature, whatever calls you, whatever lures you. You might, you know, walk in the hills, you might stand by a tree, you might just be quiet with your eyes closed in the sun. So just letting your, your attention orient so you're, you're feeling like you're receiving the blessings of this beautiful place and this land. Yeah. So we'll do that for 20 minutes and then we'll have a bell 
about five after eleven, we'll come back and I'll talk a little more about the loving-kindness practice and we'll do more specific uh, cultivating heart practice. Okay, so enjoy your meandering. Of course, use the bathroom if you need to. And the Who's going to be my bell ringer? Is one of the volunteers a bell ringer? You a volunteer? Great.
<clears throat> I meant to read this poem before you went outside. <clears throat> called Mindful. And I think it's a good <clears throat> effusion of this love and awareness. And Mary Oliver, she writes, <clears throat> Every day I see or see or hear something that more or less kills me with delight that leaves me like a needle in the haystack of light. It was what I was born for, to look, to listen, to lose myself inside this soft world with joy and acclamation. Nor am I talking of the spectacular, but of the ordinary, the daily presentations. Oh, good scholar, I say to myself, <clears throat> how could I help but grow wise with but teachings as these, the untrimmable light of the world, the oceans shine, and the prayers that are made out of grass. <clears throat> Lots of prayers that are made out of grasses here. So, <clears throat> if love was easy, <clears throat> we wouldn't be here probably. <laughs> Why go to a workshop on love <laughs> if it was easy? <laughs> so what I've appreciated about Buddhist practice and the Buddhist teaching is... Um, there's very clear instructions about how we can cultivate the heart through meditation, through training, through intention, through the way we orient to our experience and to each other. <clears throat> Raised Catholic, and much as I love that tradition, I didn't get many tools of how to cultivate the attitude of loving one's neighbor. I complained to my parents I didn't like my neighbors, so how could I love them? It seemed like a very impossible task. This is from Rilke. He says, For one human being to love another, that is perhaps the most difficult of our tasks, the ultimate, the last test and, and proof, the work for which all other work is but preparation. So, resonate with that. The most difficult of our tasks is to love one another hard enough to love our loved ones <laughs> and our spouses and our families, never mind strangers or let alone enemies or people on the other side of the political divide, for example. Okay? Very challenging. Okay? So, and, and here we are. We're asked, can we open and extend our hearts to ourselves, to each other? with kindness, with care, to strangers as much as our nearest and dearest. So this quality of metta, of loving kindness, is, as I mentioned earlier, the, 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 the unique characteristic of it is it's without conditions. It's without attachment. It's without preference. It's simply having an attitude of friendliness towards whatever shows up, whether it's our knee pain, our children crying, to strangers in the street, to situations and scenarios we find ourselves in. How do we stay open and kind, warm, or receptive? I have a friend who's uh, Indian who went back to visit some family in India in his mid-teens, late-teens. And 
um, tells a story which I think is a lovely story about metta. And he's riding along on the back of a moped in the villages uh, and, and out in the country, very bumpy, so he got a little car sick, moped sick. There's such a thing as moped sickness, probably. And um, and he got off the, his bike and was 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 being sick. And this this man, stranger, bicycled up the dirt road and got off his bike, took out a lemon from one pocket, took out a knife from the other pocket, cut it in half, and offered Nipun the lemon as a soothe for the nausea, and then put the lemon back in his half lemon back in his pocket, the knife in his pocket, and he bicycled away. No words were exchanged. No need for thank you, just, you know, there's a fellow human being in need of help and I have something to help. The human heart wants to help. Right? That's the natural inclination of the heart. And that's, that's this orientation of, of unconditional friendliness that gives to strangers and loved ones alike. No need for acknowledgement or praise or whatever. So... Um, you know, and this quality is innate, right? We all have this capacity to love, to care, to be warm, to be friendly, to be kind to ourselves and others. And we express that a lot in our lives. If, if human beings did not have this capacity to love, we would not have survived as a species. You know, both developmentally, both as children we need love and care, but also as a species. If we didn't you know, have enough love balancing all the forces of greed, hatred, and delusion, we would, be, we, would, we would have killed ourselves. We still might annihilate ourselves. That's still a possibility. But fortunately, we also have some decent values of love and kindness and respect and care and, and other things. And we can also cultivate them. You know, the, the things that we can, we can grow and develop. You know, the... When, when someone asked Mother Teresa, how did you manage to build this massive organization of sisters around the world doing amazing work, helping the poor and the oppressed and the sick? And, and she said, I didn't have any grand plan. I just helped the next person in front of me, the next uh, homeless person who was sick and dying on the streets of Calcutta. That's what I did. It wasn't a grand plan. It was very simple. It was very immediate. And of course, her work grew and grew and, you know, other stories behind that, but so as I've been talking about, there's different facets of matter. One is it's an attitude, and I think this is a really important component to to acknowledge that it's a way that we uh, orient towards experience. And we can orient towards experience and life and each other with different attitudes, right? and with matter, the attitude is one of kindness. It's caring. When we listen to the news and people are being hurt and oppressed, we care. When we hear about the, the, uh, the oceans being polluted and species being threatened, our heart hurts because we care, we, we grieve. Right? This, is a, this is a connected heart. And as with many of these practices, the practice begins at home begins with ourselves. And it's usually where we need the most care, ironically. You know, we spend a lot of time focused on ourselves. Most of our stories are about ourselves. Planning, self-evaluating. and right? But actually, when it comes to loving ourselves, we're very, very lacking in that department. I certainly was when I started 
my meditation practice a long time ago when I was 19, I had tremendous disdain for myself. I had these impossibly high standards. I was very judgmental, very critical, and a lot of self-hatred, a lot of rejection, and um, caused myself a lot of suffering. And, uh, and I fortunately found this practice of loving-kindness as well as mindfulness when I was 19, and so I had got a head start on the, the self-love project. <laughs> Yeah, a few days, a few decades later, we're getting there, you know, slowly, slowly, little by little, drop by drop. Um, so, you know, and to reflect for yourselves, what is your relationship to yourself? How accepting or kind or forgiving are you with yourself? How much can you bring unconditional loving acceptance to your body or to your vulnerable emotions? or your, um, all the challenges you face. Can you be kind or are you judgmental? You know, we tend to more judge ourselves than love ourselves. And we push ourselves, we make demands of the body, we criticize our vulnerability, um, we dislike of our, of our physical form. You know, there's a long list so, so the practice is really important. And really all of the loving-kindness practice, whether we're wishing for ourselves or others' well, welfare and happiness, it's really transforming our own heart. Transforming the heart's tendency to contract, withdraw, be afraid, uh, shut down because we've been hurt, because of fear, because of overwhelm, because of who knows what, you know. And again, good to reflect, what, 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 what does allow my heart to close? Where do I uh, shut off from myself? Where am I harsh and judgmental? Where am I unforgiving of my foibles? I thought about the inner critic, since I'm on a, I'm sort of on a book tour these days with the, with the critic work, and um, you know, the critic, you could say, as, 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 as well-intentioned as it may be, at least originally, um, the critic is often the opposite of self-kindness. You know, the harsh, critical, shaming voice is often far away from this quality of care, of love, of sweetness. And I love from... Um, Oscar Wilde, who says, uh, to love oneself is the beginning of a lifelong love affair. To love oneself is the beginning of a lifelong love affair. My teacher in India used to say, uh, marry the one that will never leave you. And he wasn't talking about a person. Marry the one that will never leave you, right? We, are, we, we have to become our own ally, right? our own friend, our own cheerleader. I mean, not cheerleader, but at least friend, support ally. You know, we need to be there. We not abandon ourselves. Right? There's a lot of abandonment in life externally, but the biggest abandonment is the one we do to ourselves. When we reject ourselves for our insecurity or our deficiency or our loneliness or our longings or whatever it is that we might do then. 
Walker, who says, I want to unfold, let no place in me hold itself closed, for where I am closed, I am false. So this practice of metta is, a, is really a way of opening, turning towards... I wrote some years ago. It's kind of a. It's in the theme of this integration of awareness and love. It's called the turn, and I think it's the one of the most significant pivot points in our lives where we begin to turn towards rather than away, turn towards pain, turn towards suffering, turn towards the the, the, the challenges of life rather than uh, escape or bypass or drown them away. Your only duty is not to run from here. Even if the hole of loss burns deep in your belly and on waking you feel the dread of walking into the day open and exposed. You could pretend, try putting on a face other than your own, but that's a game that's never worked and only burns a deeper hole inside the pocket of longing, making the shell you've chosen to live in even more hollow. But there are times when there is no choice but to surrender, to turn towards your loneliness and the empty places within you've spent a lifetime running from, embracing them with delicate hands of love, the way the evening fog envelops the solitary tree without flinching, pressing into and loving every gnarled crevice, every twisted branch and the forgotten needles fallen to the ground. This is the first step that begins the first that begins the new the slow journey of completeness keeps inviting you deeper into the roots of yourself, claiming your place that has been waiting, that is always right here. So we have this invitation, this opportunity every moment to turn towards, to open, to be kind or not. And so we begin with ourselves in the loving-kindness practice and as um, we do that, hopefully... um, Ideally, the cup overfloweth and we begin to have more capacity for caring for others. The more we can open to this, the more we can be present for someone else. The more that we reject and judge and, and, and hide from this, the more that we do the same to others. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mirror in that way. So by cultivating the heart by working with the obstacles we we unburden the heart to be more loving to be more caring to be more sympathetic and it's certainly been my experience you know over these years you know the the practice has been a slow um, slow opening into the vulnerability of being a human being and being okay with that and meeting the vulnerability of others with an open heart. Courageous practice, but not in the kind of warrior, cut the heads off courage. It's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a turn inward courage, right? Most people are running away from themselves, right? And spending a lot of money on gadgets that help us run away from ourselves, right? Our, our, our culture industrialized culture at this point is driven towards uh, anything that will help us avoid ourselves. Right? We all have lots of toys and shiny objects that help us do that very successfully. 
And they're okay in themselves, but if that's all we're doing with our life, then we're lost. Ultimately unhappy. matter and then we'll, we'll do some practice. Um, just like mindfulness, this, as I've mentioned before, but I think it bears reiterating, um, it's innate. This quality is not something you don't have. Loving kindness, care, compassion, right? this, is, this is within your heart. It's the nature of the heart to care. And it gets shut down, it gets bruised, it gets hurt in relationship and childhood and all the different ways that we get hurt through loss and, 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 and ill treatment. But despite that, the innate capacity of the heart is to love, is to care, is to, is to connect. And so the meta practice is just stirring those embers of the heart. Those who go looking for love never find love. Only the loving find love, and they never have to seek for it. So finding a comfortable posture. So if you were uncomfortable in the last meditation, then find a different posture. <laughs> Please use a chair. If sitting on the floor was kind of grueling, then it's really hard to do loving-kindness practice if your knees are hurting, your back's aching, and so... Please, there's plenty of chairs. We can get more chairs if people need it. Um, sit with this to the body. Beginning by closing your eyes and tuning into your heart center, you might want to put your hand on the center of your chest where you're feeling the breath and feeling your heart. And sometimes that very gesture of putting the hand on your heart can itself be soothing. some moments to feel into uh, your own goodness, your own good qualities, 
something that helps you connect with some sense of warmth or friendliness or kindness to yourself. The fact that you're here, wishing to cultivate the heart is a beautiful thing. Might be kind or caring or generous, friendly. friend, taking care of family, birds, It's hard to find something positive to connect with, just connecting with your deep wish to be happy. practice, what I'll do is I'll be guiding us, I'll be saying phrases. Some of you already know this practice well and have your own phrases. If this is new, I suggest you just use the phrases that I'm offering. They're somewhat general that you can wish them for yourself and others equally. Phrase and the meaning behind the phrase. Long form and the short form. May I be safe and protected from inner and outer harm. Healthy and strong. Healthy as I'm able to be. I live with ease in this life. Love and accept myself just as I am. Feel safe.
love myself just as I am. your body, your heart, as you offer yourself. As in time, you can wish them for your body. You can also imagine yourself as a young person, infant even, offering yourself. as I am. Time, your own rhythm. You may say your phrases in sync with your breath, saying the phrases slowly, meaningfully healthy Notice that, and then bring the attention back and resume the f connection with your heart, resume the phrases.
yourself, your heart. Calling to mind someone whom it's very easy for you to feel a sense of warmth and goodwill, kindness towards. Smile to your face, perhaps an infant, teacher, grandparent, Billy, who's expressed a lot of kindness, care for you. them, say their name. Phrases of friendliness, just as I wish to feel safe, may you too be safe. Healthy, or as healthy as you're able to be.
for this person whose phrases is
sense into their goodness, their good qualities, what it is you like about them.
wanders or you start just thinking a lot about this person, just notice that. Come back to this simple wish. Safe. May you be healthy. to mind someone who's neutral for you, someone you have no strong feelings. Office or neighborhood or post office or bank. Mind that's relatively neutral. Bring this person just like you wants to be happy and safe, healthy. Person. Healthy. Connected with this person since 
you don't know them that well, it's easier to drift. Are you calling to mind someone who's difficult for you? Someone you're in conflict with, it may even be a friend or family member. Choosing your arch enemy, but just choosing someone who's slightly challenging, annoying, difficult. Ending the boundaries of the heart, can we also wish well warmth for those that we don't like, who may conflict with us. They too want to be happy. Yeah, probably loves them, likes them, sees them very differently from our point of view. Persons wish to be happy.
active. the same wish for those people sitting either side of you. Safe. Tightening circles, all the beings of this land. everywhere.
We have some time for questions and observations about your practice, sitting, about walking, loving-kindness practice. Mic runners, so just raise your hand and we'll bring a mic over. Comments, observations? Is it cold in here or is it just because I'm sitting underneath the... So can we uh, ask um, Mariah or whoever's working to turn up the heat or whatever the AC is, please turn that off. (laughs) No, it's not the windows, it's the AC. Yeah, yeah. So, questions? Yes, over here. So this practice is hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I it's probably the hardest practice for me of mm-hmm. all of them. Um, not that any of them are easy, um, and I'm now very mindful of how I shut down in it, um, mm. where I can go so far and feel feelings, and next thing I know, I'm somewhere completely else, mm-hmm. and. It's happened enough that I have a feeling that's intentional, um, that I'm resisting mm-hmm. that. Um, so I guess my question is, other than keep trying, which is why I come to these type mm-hmm. talks and you know try on my own at home, is there anything I can do? So say a little more. So you, you said you start doing the practice. You feel, what do you feel when you said you feel something? What do you feel? So... I, it, it will come in either two ways. Either I do try to focus on myself and say, you know, may you be loved. I repeat that, mm-hmm. and then I'm somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Or a feeling will come up, mm-hmm. and it's usually sadness or mm-hmm. longing or regret, mm-hmm. and I'll start crying. Mm-hmm. And next thing I know, I won't be crying, and I'll be thinking something mm-hmm. completely like more mundane, like mm-hmm. what am I going to, you know, mm-hmm. get my daughter later or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's happened enough that I just know that it's, you know, I have a reason behind that. I mean, I know there's a reason behind it. I mm-hmm. just don't know how to get past that. Yeah. Anybody else finding it difficult this practice? Just out of curiosity. Um, yeah, it's not uncommon, you know, especially with ourselves. You know, we are, I think, uh, I've had more trouble living with myself more than any other person I've ever known. <laughs> I think a few of us could go with that. Um, so, so great that you're here. Great that you're kind of, you know, giving it a go. And, um, you know, I think you're partly pointing out to both something generic and specific. The generic is we think a lot and we space out a lot and distract ourselves a lot, somewhat unconsciously, most of the time. So when we come, you know, loving kindness practice is a concentration practice. So it's very obvious when you're there or not. You're either wishing phrases of kindness or you're checked out. And if you're not wishing phrases, you've gone somewhere else, probably unintentionally. The mind's just gone off on a thought, whim, habit. And so 
it, it's very humbling in that it shows us how often we space out and distract and check out. You know, for various reasons, and you know, so that's partly just the training part. Is oh, look at that! I'm spaced out for the umpteenth time. Come back, drift off. Come back, drift off. Right? So there's partly just that's the, the the sort of the grunt work of the practice is just coming back and coming back and coming back over and over and and seeing the wayward mind. And then the the other layer is you know it brings stuff up. It brings the obstacles up. For you, sadness. For someone else, grief. For someone else, longing. For someone else, where well, you mentioned longing. For someone else, hatred or boredom or restlessness. Or and and again, the the, the habit is: oh, something's uncomfortable. Check out. Something's uncomfortable. Space out. Or you know, get drawn into something else because it's hard to be with, painful to be with. And so you need sounds like you need to make extra effort when there was some feelings come up sadness or longing or whatever, to really, uh, you could even let the phrases go and just be with the feeling, like really bring them into the, the focus of the practice. Okay, oh, sadness. Oh, let me just be with sadness. For, let me feel it. Where do I feel sad? Oh, oh, it's related to the longing. I have this longing for whatever. And Oh, yeah, there's, there's a sadness in the longing. Oh yeah, and I feel it feels kind of heavy in the heart and a little depressed or whatever we you know. And you just you really kind of make that the focus for a little bit, and and then you know, and then you can weave the phrases in. And you know, may may my heart be at ease. May I be free of sadness. Or so you apply that you adapt the phrases to the feeling of the situation, and you get curious about um, the checking out process. You know. Is it coming out of fear, coming out of habit, coming out of pain, coming out of distraction? You know, there's lots of reasons why we don't want to be with certain things. Mm-hmm. So. It takes time, you know. And, you know, in the, do you have a regular meditation practice? You, yeah. I do now, and that was not... That was hard for me too, but uh-huh. I finally am able to do that. Great. So Great. I know I know I can do things. Yeah, this, <laughs> this one I just can't figure out. Yeah, yeah. You know, and not every practice is for everybody. So you know, there may be other kinds of practices that allow you to connect with a heartfulness that's not you know different than this. I don't think everybody should like or be able to do this practice. You know, um, there's different ways to do the practice. There's ways to do it that are very visual. There's a ways to do it without phrases, but that I think actually leads to more spacing out for most people. Um, so you might play with uh, having the eyes open a little bit, or from time to time, so you make sure you're coming back. Or if you're at home, I would suggest using a guided meditation because each time you hear the, something, it's the, just the prompt to come back, so you'll space out less. That's um, why we. Guided meditations mostly to stop people spacing out. <laughs> Say something. All oh, right, meta. All right, lunch. No meta, meta, meta. Lunch, lunch. Meta, lunch. <laughs> right. Not alone, you know. I'm sure most people would say, you know, it's it's hard to sustain that concentration. You know, we our lives are very scattered, very busy. We multitask a lot, and so we don't have good concentration anymore. Our concentration is now 
uh, went from 12 seconds to 8 seconds, our attention span, in the last 10 to 15 years, on average. Goldfish can pay attention for 9 seconds, and we can pay attention, sustain for 8 seconds, on average. It's not, it's not a good trajectory, it's only getting worse. I notice it in myself, and the technology and multitasking and devices erodes attention span, period. You know, unless you're using a device as a, as a meditation app, then that might, might counteract that a little bit. So, yeah. Someone has a mic, so you, you, know, you take it, and then, and then you're in the front. Okay. Uh, I also was aware of um, the resistance and how painful it was to stay with the resistance. Mm. And um, I think for the first time I was able to have compassion for that. Mm. Just show up feeling compassion Mm. that I had resistance to opening my heart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really important. The other thing that I noticed was I don't I don't think I felt ready to stop wishing it for myself. But mm-hmm. what I observed was, you know, I was asked to, to go on and do mm-hmm. something else, and mm-hmm. then I noticed the resistance to that mm-hmm. and uh, gave myself permission to stay with myself a little Good. longer Good. and Good. work with that. So mm-hmm. it was a very powerful yeah. practice for me. Yeah, good. No, it's really important to honor the resistance. I'm a big believer in understanding the wisdom and resistance. Right? There's something in resistance. There's a reason for resistance. And maybe a good reason why we're resisting. You know? Maybe we're, our heart's feeling so battered right now that we don't want to open it because it's so bloody painful. Right? Good reason. You know? Fair enough. You know, the hearts, you know, or, or whatever else is going on in your life. And, and we don't want to open because it's just hurting. It's just raw. It's tender or it's tired or, you know, compassion fatigue, etc. So we want to get, we want to understand, oh, what is this resistance? Oh, yeah, this feels, whatever it feels, scary, intimidating, hard, boring, too much, I'm already overwhelmed. You know, I'm just like, I get curious. Oh, that's why. Okay, so can I be kind with that? Resistance. Meet the resistance with kindness, not with, oh, you're just getting in the way of me opening my heart. Right? And then we make a problem out of the resistance, and then we're at war with ourselves, and then we're fighting ourselves. It's like, no, we've got to meet the resistance with kindness, which is hard. Because it's, it's hard to be with the resistance, because the nature of it is resistant. <laughs> I don't want to be with my resistance, because I'm resistant. <laughs> so, and yes, by all means... Um, you know, most of the work is needed with ourselves. So if, you know, and I, you know, I spent years in the beginning of my practice mostly on myself. You know, and I just sometimes do retreats and, that, and I couldn't move to someone else because what was needed was here. And other retreats, I couldn't do it for myself and I could only do it for others. Mm-hmm. To listen to where the heart is wanting to lean because mm-hmm. there's often the wisdom in that. Um, I think you've touched on a lot of what I was going to bring up, but um, I noticed I just got out of a relationship, and the person that I was easiest to bring up for giving love to was that person, Mm. and yet it was also the person that I feel most pain around. Mm. That person I 
didn't want to. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like, although he was the person I loved the most, mm-hmm. you know, it was like the pain of the loss of the love mm-hmm. made it hard to send love and yeah. wish for happiness and yeah. wish for peace. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting. I mean, I wanted to stay with that a long time. Um, so I'll probably revisit it. But um, it was just a teaching, too, I think, on the, you know, when we look at the pain of the world right now and the hatred <laughs> and it does just come back to that inner hurt mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that what I was kind of getting to toward the end was that my pain and my um, fear and resistance to giving love was in my attachment to the relationship and wanting to still be able to give love and not be able to I think there's a little bit more wisdom there too, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, and it makes sense if you're fresh out of a breakup. You know, breakups are really hard and they're really painful, and and it's and it's and I think for the heart it's confusing because, as you say, the person you most feel love for is this person that you've just ended the relationship with. So it's natural that there's love and there's also hurt and there's pain and there's confusion and. So sometimes the practice is we go back and forth, you know, a little extension of love, and then we go, wow, this is so triggering pain here, I'm going to stay with myself. And then we wish better for our own pain and compassion, and then open up again, and then, wow, it's triggered again. And so... And love, even though it's painful, and also being mindful of when it's necessary to... Bring it back here. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Behind you. I want to thank you. This practice is very helpful for me. Mm. I came maybe a year ago and I took a, a day long workshop and I didn't do it and I'm back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what's really challenging for me is not the practice itself, but when you said um, about having goodwill towards others. There are some that I have no goodwill towards, Mm -hmm. and I have a lot of anger in my heart, Mm -hmm. like my husband's Mm ex-wife, who's done things to him unbelievable things and I have a real hardness towards this person I also have a lot of anger about the political climate Mm -hmm. so it was good when you said don't think of your enemies because I can't even imagine Mm -hmm. letting go of this Mm -hmm. so I'm just wondering (laughs) How do you, if you do, let go of the anger that you have towards people that, and I don't know if you hate, but I do. Mm-hmm. So I'm, uh, I was having a much easier time with, you know, people that maybe are a little irritating, mm-hmm. but I have a much harder time 
with like our president and people around him and mm -hmm. and this ex-wife. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. So I just wondered if you had any advice. Yeah, yeah. Well, one, it's 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 hard, right? There's many, you know, there's often plenty of people in our life, if not personally, certainly politically, and there certainly is a lot now for many of us that are very, very difficult, not necessarily themselves ultimately as people, but of their actions. And that's an important distinction. I think it's important to keep reminding ourselves of the difference between what someone does and what who somebody is. And they're not separate, but they're different. Um... And, you know, I think the first thing to do is we need to feel what we're feeling. If we're feeling hatred, we feel the hatred. If we're feeling anger, we feel the anger. If we feel the hurt and betrayal and the injustice, we feel that. We let ourselves process that by feeling. Not fueling it with thoughts that keep fanning the fire of hatred, but just feeling whatever is here or whatever residue is here. And, uh, and we also feel the pain of the hatred and the anger because it's also painful for ourselves to feel that, right? It's a constriction, it's a contraction. Hatred is not a, you know, it's not a pleasant experience. You know, we can have righteous indignation which can feel satisfying, but it's, you know, there's, a, there's a contractedness to it. So... <clears throat> You know, I wish I had a magic wand for you. Um, I don't have a magic wand. You know, but we 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 all will get pushed up to our edge in life, whether it's an ex is an ex or an ex is ex or ex is current, <laughs> or we know um, certainly politically that will happen always or often. Um, and you know, I think I mean, there's a lot to say about that. I don't, this is not necessarily the day, but. Um, you know, Spirit Rock is actually offering, we, we're, we've now initiated a Thursday night program, particularly it's called, I forget what it's called, something like Being Here Now or something. It's about how do we show up in life with our practice given the state of the world. Right? So it's particularly a class, a little more oriented to responding to the kind of question you're asking. Um, so... You know, for myself, I, um, you know, we have to be very vigilant with our minds because it's very easy to run ourselves ragged with a lot of anger and hatred and fear. And I don't think it's very constructive for ourselves or for social change. Um, I think we do need to be mindful of what's happening and we do need to be mindful of what it constructs. You know, like just today when I was talking about the, the, uh, the, you know, the banning of, you know, citizens from seven countries, to let yourself feel the pain of that. You know, we can rant on the story and the outrage, but underneath that is because we care, because we have a sense of values of decency and inclusion and honoring diversity, etc., etc. And because that's being at risk or threatened or violated, it's painful. And that's why we get so bloody pissed off. Because we care. 
Like I get mad when I hear about oil drilling in sacred wilderness areas or in native land. I get furious because it hurts me because we're not separate from the earth. So we want to feel what we're feeling rather than stay on the level of mind wheel, churning, ranting, hating. I don't think that's so helpful. And we need to be mindful of the media that we take in because a lot of the media, you know, it's, it's useful to stay informed and that staying informed can just keep whipping up the sense of despair, powerlessness, fury, etc. And so to be very mindful of what we're taking in is this, is this helping me feel paralyzed? Is this helping me actually to, to be informed? Is this helping me to, for constructive action? And to be, to be mindful. That, that itself is an act of compassion. Right? It's very easy to become a news junkie right now because there's a lot of bad news coming down the pipeline from a certain perspective. And then we have to be vigilant with, with or careful with what we expose ourselves to. And we do what we can with extending our hearts to those who, we, who, who, are, who are difficult people. Right? And we start, as I said, we start with the mild, mildly difficult people because it's hard to go to number one arch enemy. It just is, you know, unless you've got a great capacity. Right? Um, but we have that capacity, but it takes practice. Remember, this is Sister Fong, who is Thich, Thich Nhat Hanh's sort of right-hand person, and um, she would talks about when she was uh, you know, very politically involved with the, the, the movement in, in Vietnam, but living in France, and she would hear the latest round of government shutdowns and oppression and 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 in, in imprisonment of her allies and and monks and nuns and. And she'd be furious. And she'd be furious for weeks. And she would sit and she would walk and do a practice for weeks until that fury calmed down enough so she could write a constructive letter of engagement to the government. Right? But it took her, she said it often would take weeks to, to let that fury, because the fury blinds clarity. If we're, if we're triggered and reactive and angry, we're not seeing clearly. And we're not, if we're not seeing clearly, we're not going to create that great action out of that reactive mind state. Thank you, that was helpful. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, I had sort of a different experience. It, it started out slow, and I was following you, and I could see myself, and I, then I got a person. I could, you know, feel the love extending. But what happened at a certain point, it just went wild. It was like all these people started coming mm -hmm. in, <laughs> you yeah, know, happens, people yeah. that from, from everywhere. And they just started coming in and they just wanted to be loved. Mm -hmm. And I just felt that, oh my God, it's so, it's such a basic need of people to just 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 to be touched by love that's mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. and but it was just it was uh, and you were sort of kept focusing us on one person but i couldn't stay mm -hmm. and i started then they came in families or they came in groups or they came in you know but 
I really felt, I, I think what started to shift some of the problems that I've had in the past loving is to see how desperate we all are for that experience mm. and how necessary. You know, it, it was, I remember my mother was a nurse in a foundling hospital and, you know, they were discovering they had to hold the infants when they were feeding them because they would die if they didn't if they just put the bottle in their mouth they needed the contact they needed you know and i just um i i just you know there that sense that sense of urgency of the need for that kind of cuts through something mm-hmm. resistance mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think it's true. Sometimes, you know, and there is different ways of practicing this, the metta practice, and sometimes it's true. There's a whole stampede of people come in. Hey, what about me? And there's families, and there's communities, and there's all kinds of, you know. And you can, all, you know, I have a friend who, who, who her metta practice is like a conveyor belt. People just start showing up, and you just, one at a time, okay, you two, oh, and you two, oh, hello, old friend, and then there's this person, and so it doesn't ultimately doesn't matter what and how it happens. You, you're just generating warmth and kindness and care. And as you say, there is there is an urgency, an urgency in that people. You know, people long to be loved. It's it's a basic human need. And the way our society is structured, it often doesn't necessarily support that happening so easily. We're so separate and isolated and all of that. So um, yeah, so. So have a party, you know, invite them all in. And uh, if that's happening, and if it's one at a time, then it's one at a time. And uh, ultimately. All right. Stop. Um. So, it's a beautiful day. You're welcome to eat outside if it's warm enough. Or um, uh, inside, or have tea. And um, we'll, take, uh, we'll take an hour or so for lunch. Um, and then we'll have the bell rang outside. Uh, maybe at five to one, and we'll come, we'll reconvene at one. So, um, two, thank you, yes, good, someone's awake. (laughs) Um, So, uh, we'll keep this room in silence, and um, for those who want to stay quiet, and uh, do we know if the other group is silent upstairs, are they having silent lunches? I'm assuming they are. Could you go find out for me? Thanks. Um, so there is another group here doing a three-day retreat upstairs, so I want to be mindful of them because uh, I don't know if they're in silence on lunch break. So, but, um, so I generally say if in, inside the building, be quiet. Uh, and if you want to chat, go outside, have lunch outside, take a walk if you came with a friend or you want to connect with someone. Um, 
and uh, continue the practice of, of both mindfulness, and it's a lovely thing to eat meals mindfully, and, um, and also the practice of kindness, you know, which, which is an appreciative heart, appreciating the, the farmers and the cooks and the shopkeepers and whoever else helped prepare your food, your spouse, or... Um, Gratitude, and and then after lunch, you know, feel free to take a walk. There's a couple of trails here. You can walk up the hill. Um, you can walk down the road to the to the main road. Um, you don't walk beyond the gate. There is a retreat, I believe. Is a retreat happening up the hill? Did we have that announcement? Yes. So don't walk beyond the wooden gate up the road. Um, and. Um, yeah, and as 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 uh, was said, I I have copies of my book for sale. I'm happy to sign them. I have some info about some of my retreats, um, my nature retreats. I lead a lot of wilderness retreats, and then there's a bunch of programs here. I'm teaching at Spirit Rock. I forget which ones were mentioned, um, but um, the one that's coming up the soonest, I think, is um, I'm doing a six week six week introduction to mindfulness, starting on February seventh. Tuesday evenings for six weeks. So there's a bunch of information about my courses and stuff. And I also have a mail list um, where you can sign up to hear about my Silence. Silence is optional. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, so just be mindful that there will be some people who are wanting to be quiet. So keep your voice down. In This is a silent room quiet in the building, and then you can, you're welcome to talk outside. And I would suggest that you also, um, if you can, don't fire up your cell phones. Um, just give yourself a, a, an unplug day. Um, if you do want to be on your cell phone for whatever reason, I would suggest ask that you don't go use it on the patio here, but you actually go down the road. So we like to kind of have this, some sense of a digital-free space. Okay, enjoy your lunch. We'll see you at 2. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.